Hello, and welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer, and on today's episode, Matt, Emma, and I have a conversation about everything that's going on right now. We talk about the Asbury Revival, Gen Z, spiritual hunger, and basically, what do you do after you encounter the Lord in a profound way? It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. How would you describe this conversation we're about to have? It's kind of just like a, a conversation. Yeah, I I think uh, we just wanted to take a little bit of time and just talk as a team about what we're sensing around the Asbury outpouring that has kind of taken the world by storm. I mean, yeah. like every major Christian leader with a public platform, it feels like anyways, has commented or is talking about it in some uh, form or fashion. And um, I want to say off the bat, this conversation is really not, we're not at all going to attempt to analyze it. In fact, I've been a little annoyed uh, just by, (laughs) just being honest, just a constant analysis you know, God is, I don't understand everything that's happening, but God is doing something beautiful amongst college students. And then since then, obviously, tons of other not college students have flocked to uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. And I think we can just let it be what it is and acknowledge the beauty of God's people crying out to him in worship and repentance without having to sort of armchair quarterback the whole thing and analyze every last detail and so this is a conversation really not to to try to analyze um what has happened but really to talk about some of the themes that have emerged and some of the commentary that has happened around it has surfaced some themes that are really important to our ministry and kind of um get at the heart of the dna of what spirit and truth is all about themes like spiritual hunger about simplicity mm-hmm. about the future of the church kind of moving in a more you know primitive is probably a loaded word but i like to use it anyways like primitive direction that's kind of um back to the basics i think what the longing that you are seeing uh emerge among these college-age students that kind of started the whole thing i think kind of it does I've enjoyed watching it, and I've enjoyed watching some of the commentary around it as people are just noting the simplicity and rawness of it all. The, it's sort of just simple and authentic. And so, anyways, I think we just wanted to talk through some of what we're sensing that God is doing and how that actually aligns with where we see ministry going in the church and where where we see God stirring the North American movement of Christianity going forward. And so I honestly don't know exactly where this conversation is going to go. Yeah, we'll see. But but we do have Emma Winchester who is holding down representation (laughs) for an entire generation (laughs) with us. And so she hates that so much. Yeah. (laughs) Who wouldn't really? No. No pressure. I don't feel pressure. You're like, because I'm not going to say anything if I don't want to. (laughs) No, that's not true. I just... um, I am a part of Gen Z. I do not represent all of Gen Z, but I find joy in talking about 
really what we're talking about is the ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. Anytime you split up generations from this to this to this to this to this, the goal should be how do how does my generation come to be unified with your generation, even through different beliefs or different approaches or X, Y, Z. So I don't feel pressure because I think that all of our goals are the same um, and I can't speak on behalf of a generation. So, <laughs> Well, you know, let's let's talk about the the younger generation that that really is the one they're the, the ones who under the guidance and stewardship of some key Asbury leaders, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to discredit the role that some of the uh, chapel leaders yeah. and officials at Asbury has, have played right. in helping to steward this. But this whole thing emerged under the leadership, really, and the longing of college students. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I think has been beautiful to watch is there's all of these world-famous Christian people, like lots of them have showed up. Yeah. And none of them have been on the platform or like people that are paid thousands of dollars to be headline speakers have attended just to experience and have not been invited to speak to the crowd or to lead anything. It's still been led by 18 to 20 somethings, you know, Mm -hmm. for the most part, the prayers, the worship, all of that. And to me, that's been really beautiful to see. And it does feel like there's an element of reconciliation in that because there's been, I think, a pretty, you know, some people have noted a a real disconnect between older generations of Christians and kind of this emerging generation. And so uh, to see seasoned leaders yielding to what God is doing in younger hungry people has been really beautiful yeah mm-hmm. I would also say just to your point Matt about about these um, Christian leaders who are coming who have very developed platforms coming and receiving and yeah. and I'm sure you know um, to have them to sort of for them to not receive some sort of preferential treatment um not that not that their platforms aren't necessarily deserved and things like that you know god gives favor to whom god gives favor um but there's i think an element of a type of reconciliation there as well which is for uh, it's a beautiful thing for just the church writ large to see like it doesn't have to be perfect presentation of worship does not always have to be um Mm -hmm. about the the biggest production value or you know whatever um and not that not that any of those particular people would have said that's how it needs to be but it's just fascinating you know because they often represent a standard to which churches compare themselves yeah and that's what i i think has been interesting i've just following along kind of on twitter and blogs and things you've seen leaders who have built a platform in one style of ministry. And I don't want to disparage that. I just, it's part of just the cultural reality of where Christianity has been at for the last 50 years. But who have built church models, for example, that are have the, all the latest technology and 
massive worship arenas and all kinds of production value than commenting on the young people just seeming to like not care about that. And yeah. I'm like, it's great. Yep. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Like that's exactly, you know, as we go from to different churches, a lot of times, you know, we, we work with a lot of smaller mid-sized churches that sometimes in the ministry world, there's like, um, church envy, you know, yeah, of, yeah, and they're like, 100%. we can't have that. We don't have a great praise team. Well, we don't have that kind of, you know, media and stuff. We don't have big screens. And now, but look at thousands, tens of thousands now have flocked to a place. Yeah. And what are they coming to experience? They're they're coming to experience the tangible presence of God. And you know where it happens to be manifesting itself? In a super old auditorium with uncomfortable wooden seats. Oh, yeah. With no screens, you know, you know, college and students doing their best with music, but not tremendous yeah. polish. These aren't po- this professional, professional musicians. Music. Yeah. No big name speakers. This has been a revival of, I was just thinking about, you know, how would I characterize it? Just, and full disclosure, I haven't even been there. I've just been praying from a distance alongside. I have so many friends that have gone. I know a lot of people that are there and have, texted all along the way and just I haven't felt a need or drive to go there uh, myself I've just been praying for God to just continue to move but what I sense is it's a revival of humility of simplicity and of authenticity Mm. and just there is nothing really flashy about it in fact what's so spectacular is how unspectacular the whole yeah, thing is. It's very ordinary. And that's that is beautiful to yes, me. Yes, it's oh, it's amazing. And it, I think it should be that should invoke a sense of hope amongst church leaders, lay folks, people who are longing for God to move in their church. Because guess what? If you're worshiping in a church of 50 people and you've got an old sanctuary with wooden pews and you don't have big screens yeah, and you yes. don't have great music, guess what? That's exactly the kind of place that God's bringing a revival <laughs> right now. So that literally the world is paying attention. That's to. right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, they, until just now, they haven't been live streaming the service. Everyone's always obsessed. We got to do the online stuff. All of the stuff that all the church gurus have been telling you for the last number of decades you have to have if you're going to be relevant today this revival outpouring whatever you want to call it has been absent of all of that stuff Mm -hmm. and yet the presence of god has been more than enough to attract the world's attention yeah i i just want to say like when i say that it is incredibly ordinary i don't mean that it's devoid of power or presence but i think that a lot of times i think that we we really hunger for the presence of God and we don't know how to cultivate that or, or we or we go to the things that are sort of human or worldly facsimiles of those things. So performance value or, um, you know, aesthetics within the building or things like that. But actually the presence of God for Christians is meant to be very ordinary. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be the norm. Yeah. And um, anyway, that's... So, yes, it's very, yeah, simple, beautiful. Yeah, I find a lot of things encouraging, like, about the 
college students who gather is, I mean, kind of what you guys are talking about is the way that I think of it in my mind is that you don't have to make Jesus beautiful. Mm. Yeah. He is beautiful, That's like good. just as he is. And he is beauty. So I don't know. I That's why people my generation and generations above too, you know, like I don't want flashy lights. I don't want smoke machines. I don't want these things because you don't have to trick me into loving Jesus or you don't have to trick me into thinking he's beautiful. Yeah. If we just gather together and pray and worship, the spirit will reveal his beauty. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I, that is one thing that I am so encouraged by, um, that I think what I've witnessed from my generation is that we won't settle for less than that. Mm-hmm. Like, at least for me, I have just been in my own history so hungry for that. Lord, reveal your beauty. Lord, reveal your beauty. Lord, reveal your presence. Reveal more of yourself to us. And he doesn't need smoke machines to do that. He doesn't need mm-hmm. polished worship. He wants it messy. He wants it, you know, you know what I mean? So um, I'm, I'm so encouraged by that. And also, like you said, you know, we have so many people from older generations or people who have been doing ministry for decades um and what we can learn from them is how to steward it you know like the older generations can look at the younger generations and say oh i'm i don't have that hunger in me anymore why you know and reflect on that and we can look at the older generations and say you've been doing this and you've stuck by jesus's side for years and years and years and years how do we do that you know what i mean so that's good like Mm -hmm we come to this place where we are unified by the spirit and that's what we should be wanting to learn from one another as we seek the Lord together. Well, I think that's a good question. It's a question I've been turning over in my mind quite a bit lately, partially because all of this is happening and partially because of the work that we do when we go to churches, which is, you know, we've, we've said this before on other podcasts and it's something that we talk about It is we rarely have conversations with church leaders that don't involve some conversation about renewal. Mm -hmm. And I've been wondering just for my own personal life, my personal spiritual life, but also just in the work that we do, what is the difference between hunger when you're 30 years in or 20 years in versus hunger for Jesus on week one, day one, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're not the same. Sure. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Matt? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I do. I don't know if I'm the right person to speak to that because I'm. Uh, I'll turn forty this year, so I. I'm not as seasoned as some folks that have been walking this out a long time. At the same time, I have been walking with Jesus for a while. I, I. I mean, I. I kind of mark the beginning of my Christian walk back in second grade, even though I didn't fully understand it. <laughs> Mrs. Dorman's Sunday school class in second grade is the first time I remember having a conscious sort of decision that I, I need Jesus in my life. So it has been a few years, you know, <laughs> and um, 
I know for me, I, I as I reflect back on my life, I've never, um, I've never personally been a part of or experienced. I can't really remember any time in my lifetime that what has happened, this phenomenon that's happened at Asbury in this particular kind of vein. But I have had different experiences, sort of milestones along the way where God showed up through other people or in an event or through some supernatural thing or whatever in kind of such a tangible way that it reoriented my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But every time that it happened, um, I mean, some of those things related to the launching of Spirit and Truth and then there's things that go whack way before that, even back in middle school. Um, every time that happened, I found that these milestone moments, these intense encounters with God where his presence is made so real in a way that maybe you don't, you is always true, but you don't realize in your daily life. Sure. Every time has been an, an invitation to some kind of obedience on the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's always comes, I think it always comes with the question attached. Mm-hmm. As God reveals himself, there's some kind of a, a response and I think there you actually you are given a choice about whether or not you will respond in faithfulness and obedience on the other side because you can have these incredible experiences and walk away if you if you don't if you if you don't take intentional steps this is where you know just the, the Christian life of discipline and um, intentional relationships in these things are so vital because uh, it can be just a touch point a flash in the pan God doesn't design it to be that I don't think yeah but he he also doesn't force himself upon you and if you're not willing to respond with tangible steps yourself to partner with what he's just revealed to you to live into this sort of new reality that he's made uh, sort of made you aware of kind of opened you up to um, then you can miss it you can miss the long-term fruit that will come from it does that make sense am I just no no that does make sense no I was just as you're speaking I I was reflecting on just what those moments would have been like but would have been in my own life and I was thinking about the comment that you made you know, I graduated high school in 1996, and a couple years before that, there was actually major outpouring in certain places. Yeah. Like there's the Toronto revival in the 90s, and after that, around the same time, there was Brownsville. Yeah. And I didn't have, um, I didn't go to either one of those things because I was in high school. Um, and also, that would have been rather alien to the type of Christianity that I was living in. Yeah, I was actually, where I was at in the church that I was involved in at the time, I didn't actually know, even though I was alive during those things, Yeah, I didn't even know those things existed until my adult life when I started getting more exposure to kind of like 
spirit-filled stuff mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that. I didn't even know those were. Yeah. I like the Toronto blessing. blessing I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I didn't either. I mean, look, anything even related to like power evangelism, John Wimber. I remember one girl in my high school going to Florida in the middle of the school year or, you know, and her being like, we went to revival. Yeah. And that was the extent of the conversation. And that, I mean, that barely registered on my Christianity radar. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that could have meant anything. Um, I, cause I never thought to ask, but years later when I learned about those things, Brownsville is in Florida. I was like, Oh, I wonder if that was it. And anyway, I think though, knowing that those things were possible, like learning about those things in my early twenties, when I started to explore more spirit filled things, those knowing those things were possible were kind of like seeds that got planted Mm. where I thought, Oh, I want more than what's happening in my life right now in Christianity. Yeah. More than than conceptual theoretical Jesus. I want real Jesus. Yeah, I think that's what those moments you do. I mean, I'm th- just a me I can think of just a few times in my life where God is broken in in such a tangible way. And what it does is it shakes you out of a Christianity where God is a concept. Yeah. It's like God is not just an idea anymore because he just interacted with me. Mm-hmm. Like I just encountered him just like I encountered my neighbor this morning or whatever. Like just like I encountered that person, you know, at the grocery store, they were a real person right in front of my face. When God reveals him such, himself in such a tangible way, it it sort of shakes you out of this version of Christianity where it's like nice ideas but not very personal and um, I know that's what God is in one of the ways God has used those kind of moments in my own life and that's where the invitation comes in because when God is not just a concept he's it's harder to ignore his promptings <laughs> yeah. you know it's like when you've come face to face with Jesus and then you have a sense that that same Jesus is inviting you to something or asking you to do something uh, just like it's it's harder to say no when a good friend is asking you to do something yeah. more than a stranger, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when you come face to face with Jesus and then you have that reality of his nearness revealed to you. All of a sudden it's like, holy smokes. And if he's asking me to do this, then I have to. Then yeah. I have to do it, you know? And some of the biggest and hardest decisions in my life have really come down to that thing. God had revealed himself in a powerful way. And when I knew his personal reality in my life, when he asked me then to do something, it was impossible to say no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Emma, you and I have talked about this before. Um, you know, anybody who's followed the ministry for any period of time is familiar a little bit, at least, with some of the arc of your own, at least part of the arc of your own story with the yeah. the Emma and Jenna um, video. <laughs> oh, gosh. But you and I as, have talked about this before. About as Pete Gregg would say, Jimmer. Jimmer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Emmer and Jimmer. That's, that's how um, he, sorry, that's kind of a joke, but <laughs> that's how he said it. When if we you know, at, you know. If yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> He's British, yes, and he said it at New Room, and it was yeah. funny. It's all right. We're not teasing anyone. Um, well, Matt is. but um, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, actually. Yeah. Um, but we've talked about this before, about how there are 
seasons that come after the encounter where you're uh, like, oh gosh, I, I really wish I could go back to that time when yes, when this thing was smaller and more Easy. private and mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Could do you mind talking just a little bit about that sensation? We don't want to project that that's what everybody is going to feel oh, there, no, but no, at no. the same time. That's a reality. Like, how do you walk through that? yeah. I think part of the reality is, you know, I think about the students at Asbury who very practically could have not done assignments, skipped class, Mm -hmm. you know, making these small but, you know, sacrifices. Maybe not small, determining on your, you know, GPA Mm -hmm. and stuff. But, (laughs) you know, like you make these sacrifices um, to be with the Lord and he reveals himself to you. And it's so sweet and so marking, um, so formative. And then at one point or another, you, you keep walking yeah real life keeps happening yeah Yeah. and it's not necessarily that the event um like loses its value or anything like that but circumstances just change and so the the thing that you have to learn how to walk out is how do I live as if the presence that I experienced at this specific moment at this specific place this time you know is still available for me right now while I go to class while I do my assignments while I do xyz so you know there is a season afterwards where you're like crap (laughs) you know what I mean it's so true because you're like man I just want to go back to when it was easy when I could sit in this auditorium for hours and hours or for me where I could sit in this prayer room room, you know that smelled like cheetos from teens and you know what i mean yes and you could just pray and be with the lord and it was so easy and simple um but what happens is the lord reveals how to rightly order things he comes in and he shows you his presence he shows you his love he shows you his character um you know and suddenly everything is very clear the Lord should be first in my life. Mm. That's why I leave everything behind. That's why I skip class. That's why I put everything down on the altar because of the Lord. And so when you go back into your everyday life, you know, it can be really easy to just kind of get back into the swing of things with this good moment in mind. But what has to be learned and I think what has to be modeled, especially for young people and for me, is how do I live with my love rightly ordered, Um, even in the midst of all of these good things like school and work and family and all that, like all of that, how do I live with the Lord in mind? You know, Mm -hmm. it's so simple, but how do I be a Christian? I just want to say that I had an interesting conversation with um, someone who at one of the churches that we went to who had seen the video there. So there's, if you don't know, there's a video of Emma Winchester and 
You um, should link to it in the show notes. <laughs> I will, just to keep it alive. Yeah. Awesome. Jenna Smith. No, it's a beautiful testimony. It is a beautiful, beautiful testimony of these two young women and the things that they um, put a set aside so that for a season of time so that they could just be with the Lord more in a way that he was asking, which was yeah. extraordinary, which was... Yeah. yeah. And anyway... Um, so I was speaking with this woman at one of the churches and she said, so how does she, you know, um, she was asking about you and asking essentially like, are you s- still hermetically sealed in this prayer room whenever <laughs> you're not with us? And I kind of laughed. I said, well, you should just go talk to her. I said, but no, Emma, actually she's, she's attending school online and mm-hmm. you know, Jenna has gotten married and they both have jobs and yeah. you know, because it's exactly what you're saying. It's, and it's exactly to your point earlier too, Matt, you have an encounter and then the Lord asks things of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he leads you in a particular way. There's meant to be, um, a know, response. yeah, a response yeah. fruit that comes from that. And it's anyway, so it was, it was just a funny, I was like, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as I wish I could just, my introverted self, I'm like, just put me in a room let me pray no I can't because it's true you know things change and I don't know like I guess um when things become rightly ordered when he asks things of you you know it becomes a partnership Mm -hmm. where it's not just like you know like there's action involved it's not flourishing yeah yeah and so it's kind of like coming back to how you were saying, um, hungering for the Lord 20 years in, 30 years in, however many years in is different than right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And in some ways that's true, I think. And in other ways, it's like my hunger becomes not just for some big event or whatever, but it becomes to truly be in partnership with the Lord. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the action side of it, the everyday, the normal ins and outs of living with the Lord becomes the thing. Yeah. You know, I think um, I love this conversation that we're having right now because one of the reactions I've seen to the Asbury revival has been that there's kind of like, just like most Christian things, there's like ditches on both sides. Yeah. There's like those who are like obsessed with the, um, the event and encounter itself. And there are those who are saying like, uh, it doesn't, the event encounter doesn't even matter because it's just what the long-term fruit will be and how do you actually live, you know, day to day and blah, blah, blah. But I, I just, I think the actual, like when you look at the scripture, when you look at the way that God has revealed himself across history, it's always both things actually. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was just, as you were talking, I was just thinking about the way God does this. He he allows us to experience, like we can't live at the burning bush forever. Yeah. But he gives mm-hmm. us the burning bush, which marks us and then carries us to a place of obedience right. for years afterwards. And we see this, you know, in, you know, in all throughout the scripture, you have Pentecost. Right. And then the whole book of Acts. And then you have the whole book of Acts and it's yeah. messy and they're going into mission and they're yeah. figuring out how to live in the presence that they've just encountered in this crazy powerful way now they're figuring out how to live in in light of that in all the stuff that follows and i think this is just it's one of the ways that god works like he just he reveals himself he allows his presence to be sort of like the veil to be lifted a little bit and to see see things as they actually are in these encounters with his presence 
but he also like like he he knows like that we can't stay in that place yeah. and so it's a gift of grace then that is an invitation to live in that reality in the ordinary stuff of life that follows you know like mm-hmm. and it doesn't i just feel like there's so many people i'm seeing that it's it's like it's an either or thing no like the combination of the encounter and the everyday afterward mm-hmm. stuff it's the combination that seems to be the pattern of the way that God works with his people. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, um, my husband and I had an opportunity to go uh, to Wilmore very early on. And we went very early on because I don't know if it was <laughs> some sort of wisdom from the Lord or whatever. Or maybe it's just because our schedules were so jam-packed. I was like, look, it's now or never, you yeah. know. But one of the things that we discerned um, separately and then together in prayer was because um, neither one of us felt like a very strong pull to go, which, you know, so we thought was interesting. But we discerned, don't, you know, you don't need to go unless you want to take your kids. Mm. So we went as a family. And... Um, Right away, you know, I could tell that my, in particular, my 17-year-old son was having a little bit of a different experience than Rob and I were. And, you know, we've spent our lives serving the church and in ministry and had a variety of sort of encounter-type experiences and been in spiritually heightened environments. But my my point in saying all of this is one of the things I took away was actually... Um, like a, a type of of love for my home church that that of course I have because I, I I love Stillwater you know where I go to church but I I sort of took home this conviction of you know pilgrimage is great and and actually I think it's a very um, important part of the Christian life but it's not like you don't have to do it so that you can have this quote unquote experience. Like I thought, I just want to go home and do this with those people Mm -hmm. who I know, who I love, who I walk with every day. And, um, that was, there was such a joy in that. Like, like I literally, as we were driving home, I was like, yes, we get to go home and do this. This isn't, located in one place and that's just something that i hope the people who may be new to this experience i want them to be encouraged in that you know Mm -hmm. it's not a geographically located event yeah yeah that's good so so i'm interested uh you were there yeah um you got to experience it um how would you describe just for people i mean they're likely by now people listening to this have heard varieties of commentaries on different aspects of of the revival just real simply how would you describe the character of what you experienced and then after that i'd like for each of us maybe just to reflect on what are you hoping and all this attention that's been stirred up in the church towards us what are you hoping for going forward like what is your what's your heart's desire to see what kind of fruit are you longing to see within the church, especially here in North America, as people have taken note of how God is stirring there. But first, any yeah, any reflections that you have just on your experience? Um, I mean, two, two. One, I felt very, very strongly about not going as a professional. 
um, you know, there were people there that I knew just because, you know, our circles of existence kind of overlap a little bit. And I just kind of slipped in and slipped out and it was blissful, honestly. Um, not that I don't love seeing those people, but, but I just, I felt very intentional about just going in and worshiping and not having any particularly strong opinion about it. Um, as a quote unquote person who works in ministry. So my sense was that the Lord's peace was so prevalent and it was, you know, if I had to, the thing it made me think of, there was a memory that came to my mind was, um, when I was growing up in Virginia, there was a, uh, the house I grew up in backed up against woods. And if you walk down this path, there was like a stream. And in the summertime, (laughs) it's freaking hot and humid and sticky (laughs) in Virginia. And I used to just go stand barefoot in the water because it was cold. And that's what it was like that, that sensation of just standing in silence with, you know, little like the heavy presence of, of hot air, you know, that kind of like heaviness that was there, but then also just this refreshing kind of like stream running over your feet and ankles. And that's what it was like. Mm. So, and then it later, you know, when I went home and I allowed myself to indulge in more professional thoughts about it, one of the things I thought was the magnificence of God's power that he is the creator of solar systems that he created human beings that he is the i am the most powerful being ever mm-hmm. and i have no words to really encompass the entirety of that but that he would touch a generation of people who have been so marked by fear mm-hmm. anxiety depression um isolation yeah that he would mark them with such specific gentleness. Mm. It was so surgical. It was so subtle. It was so intentional. And I've seen a lot of fireworks. Yeah. But that was maybe the most powerful thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. So it wasn't necessarily a sensory thing but what I saw was that the love of the father is so specific that he can just come with the lightest touch to reveal the entirety of who he is to someone because that's what they need they don't need the fireworks what they need to know is is I won't force myself on you yeah but I am everything you need yeah that's good. It was good. That's <laughs> it good. was good. Mm-hmm. What I find what I find interesting about that is, you know, we had talked mm-hmm. before this, and um, we were talking about how specifically Gen Z is post nine eleven. Mm. Yeah, like and. Social media, social media, yeah, you know all, all the of stuff. these yeah. like cultural and societal things. And I, when you said that, I was like, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, what was it like before? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have no, I have no idea. Yeah, right. and um, I guess I've just kind of been reflecting on that actually because 
in my mind it's so true like that hunger and that or, like it's not even hunger but it's like I don't want something big I don't want something flashy and the Lord just knows that so specifically about me and I think about a lot of my generation that it's like man we don't need some huge thing because the world does that just fine you mm. know what I mean yeah. putting sure. on a big performance and there's concerts and there's like just all these huge events and again flashy lights and stuff but there is something so powerful and marking about when the lord comes in in his character which is gentle and lowly and um present he like and what i mean is the world is so chaotic and so busy all the time social media is busy all the time and at least something that I've wrestled with like growing up is I've been taught how to keep my mind busy all the time with work school this 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 repeat over and over and over again but something that changed me dramatically is when the Lord said slow down Mm. just be present in my presence because he is always present with us. You know what I mean? So um, I I just find that so encouraging and so true that he is so specific with what mm-hmm. not only each person needs, but he knows exactly where culture is and where society is and where the world is because, you know, so, so good. Yeah. I, I saw one, uh, one of the little testimonies that I was watching. This is... I think actually towards the beginning, I can't remember exactly where I saw it. And it was a couple of the students talking about their experience. And one of the things they noted was like, I think, I think one of them said they had, they hadn't been on their smartphone for like 16 hours or something. Praise God. (laughs) And like, it made me chuckle. And yet I was like, yes, like that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, that's tangible. Like that's something big. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. I know. I haven't been off my smartphone for 16 hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I um, I will say, uh, seeing all of the commentary um, about this and just, I don't know, all of the crazy back and forth. And I've just been recently just reflecting, like, I just think on the whole, it's, it's almost indisputable that social media has been a net negative on society. Like, if there are positive things, and I don't want to disparage that. And certainly the the awareness of this outpouring accelerated tremendously because of social media, Mm -hmm. which has also positive and negative things related to it, you know? And, but this ability to just constantly critique and argue and share with the world thoughts that really should have stayed inside your head. I just don't think it's actually helping us. It's not ma- it's not bringing us to a place of peace, and um, so and I feel like even I've just felt some personal conviction the last few weeks about my own just like by just using it myself am I a part of the problem and um, I've scaled my own social media stuff back to just one platform since for the last I don't know five or six months but 
it still is just anyways that's a that's a topic for another day i think another podcast um so the last thing you know i i mentioned before maybe we could wrap up with this because we're probably running out of time um what is your longing like what's your heart mm. for going forward from this like what do you what do you hope to see um emerge out of this you know spotlight that's been put on on gen z on this college campus on the leadership of these students on the kind of character of of this revival that we just talked about what do you hope for going forward do you want to go first sure um i guess my prayer kind of circles back to what i was um talking about at the beginning with the ministry of reconciliation my prayer is for the the young people um to be discipled to be spiritually parented and for them to learn for all of us to learn how to walk it out um and i i guess my prayer is so simple that I just long for all of us to encounter the Lord in such a way that it makes us real Christians, real followers of Christ. And um, yeah, I just, I pray that this fruit would be fruit that we can eat from for years and years and years and years that says, this was a moment that the Lord marked me, marked my city, marked my my college, marked, you know, my country, marked whatever. And we still bear the fruit of the Spirit with it. And um, that it would be, you know, that we would all be unified around the Spirit and that we would learn how to not only, you know, pray and worship and do this thing not just as a generation but how do we move from that to the church you know mm-hmm. how do we gather multi-generational to come together and seek the lord in that way because you know in psalm 133 the lord commands his blessing on mm. unity around his spirit yeah it's so. good I don't know. <laughs> I'm still thinking. <laughs> um, my longing. I think. I think there there's a feeling that I've been sort of trying to articulate over the last several months, really, which is my my prayer for the church. My longing for the church is that we recover a sense of of home, but not like in an overly sentimental kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like one of the blessings that I've experienced in the last year to 18 months, however long I've lived here, I know time is a blur, um, is that just in, in actually in knowing people like you and Jenna and Ezra and all of these young people at, at church, and I've realized that I realized that I had been thinking one particular way just about my life experience. So my life experience growing up sort of pre um internet boom um i i you know i don't i don't tend to suffer from a lot of nostalgia and i actually think that's a good thing i think nostalgia is not actually a super productive thing but 
it's very easy to feel like that 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 somewhat non I don't know what the word is that life is so um, amplified at this point do you know what I mean like my sense of awareness of everything happening out in mm -hmm. the world is so much greater now than it was say for instance when I was growing up right. so the but there was a level of detail and care that I had for my immediate life yeah. that I actually I don't always have now because I'm constantly like what's happening out there what do we do about xyz da 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 so my prayer is is actually that we recover some of that is that we recover some silence some stillness yeah. some sense of not that it doesn't matter what's happening in other places but that that actually one of the greatest things we can do to help you know just the, the global sense of humanity and, and God's love is to actually just really love the people in your house, really yeah. love and see and pay attention to the people in your church right. and to not play comparison games Yeah, yeah, and to see that the soul, the spirit that resides, that is the, the spirit that resurrected the Lord, the spirit that resides in some of our most difficult people, you know, the EGR sex or grace yeah. required, which I personally, I hate that term, you know, because I'm like, I'm super extra sometimes like I'm EGR, but, um, like that, that, that Jesus died for that person. Mm. And he, we're all put in these, these people groups in these houses, these houses of worship because the Lord's like, come together, worship me together. I'm, I've put a, a calling, a mantle on not only you as individuals, but you collectively yeah. to do things, to reveal my presence where you are. That's my longing. My longing is that churches would do that and not feel like that's less than. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they don't have whatever. Anyway, I don't know how well articulated that is, but. It's been one of the gifts of knowing these young people who are like, what? What is it like without smartphones? Like, it's pretty darn good, actually. Yeah. It's kind of chill. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think for me, I just, um, it's actually, I don't know that it's really changed my longing for the church at all. If anything, it's just um, confirmed the kind of longing that was already in my heart. And, no, I think, I think the thing that I I long for in the church is just for people to experience the freedom that comes from recognizing that you cannot manufacture the thing that people are actually longing for. Yeah, yeah. You can't manufacture it. And we've been obsessed, you know, especially as Americans, we build things, we build businesses, we market things, we sell products. We're used to this mentality that like when something is needed, we'll just figure out what's needed and then build it ourselves. And that's not the way that the church grows or flourishes. And the beauty of this outpouring for me is the way in which no one planned it. Yeah. No one manufactured it. No one anticipated it. It happened in a little college town. I mean, I went to Asbury Seminary. There's nothing in Wilmore. Yeah, it's very you know, small. It's small. 
there's like two restaurants in the whole town and a gas station and you know they had to literally close the the roads the last couple of days because the town has more people than the infrastructure can handle you know like they had i just saw a picture this morning of state troopers literally blocking the roads to wilmore because they can't take any more people there's like twenty thousand people there right now and what i want what (laughs) that's ridiculous absolutely crazy (laughs) there's not enough places to park this is this is how this is what i've just always sensed that the thing that people even if they can't articulate it the thing they're really hungry for is not something you can scheme up yeah Mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of this just simple it is something so pure about how this unfolded because nobody manufactured anything and I would just I'm longing for a time when as church leaders I'm putting myself in this as well because I'm continue just to repent of this myself We'll just come to a place where we can abandon our own obsession with trying to manufacture church stuff just to make ourselves feel good, like we've like we've accomplished something, like we've done something, and um, just you know to actually do the stuff that we say is important. Like I'm convinced, and maybe I'm wrong about this, that most church leaders talk about prayer way more than they actually pray. Oh yeah, I don't think that is wrong. And I what you see in the in these gatherings are people who are coming, who are actually worshiping, who are actually praying and seeking the Lord in unity. That's it. There's like nothing else. Yeah. And I keep and I just get so like I think people get so tired because they're trying to spin their wheels and create something that is not ours to create. When, that's why, I, you know, I started by saying I think it's a revival of humility. I'm hoping that in watching the way God unfolded this, just the sovereignty of God at work in the midst of a few humble and hungry people, that people would just kind of come to the end of that whole thing that says, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality mm-hmm. and say, how about we just stop trying to build it ourselves and we just spend more time praying and asking God to do what only he can do. And if that kind of, if that spills over into more places, more local churches, more leaders, who honestly, I think a lot of pastors are just exhausted by that pursuit anyways. 100%. If they could discover that freedom right. and say, look, if God can show up among you know, a handful of college students who just, in the spirit of repentance, just sought the Lord's presence in an old auditorium in the middle of nowhere, then maybe we could just, maybe we could just abandon all this junk and just pray ourselves. Yeah. What a novel idea. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Let's do that. You know, I feel like in the... Uh, sometimes when we uh, we get invited to churches with spirit and truth and we go in and do these <laughs> awakening weekends and I, it's always funny to see because I feel like a lot of times it's on the front end, not always, but sometimes it's people looking for another shortcut, looking for another silver bullet, silver bullet another yeah. program. Like maybe this will be the boost that we need. 
And then <laughs> well, we show up we, and we're like, we're like, not doing anything new. Yeah, we got yeah. nothing. We got nothing for you. But we know a God who does. Mm-hmm. So let's pray. Let's just let's pray. Worship. Let's yeah. just seek him and just ask him to do stuff. Because, look, if it's up to us, if it's up to what we can build, we got we got nothing. Right. Yeah. Unless the Lord builds the house. The laborers, the laborers build labor. it. Yeah. Right. yeah. Amen. And but when the Lord builds it, look at how many hungry people will flock. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's a good word. Amen. Yeah. Well, Emma, I feel like you should pray for us before we sign off today. Would you do that? Awesome. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, we are sorry when we get our agendas in the way of your presence and when we get our um, our expertise in the way of your presence of your desires so Lord um, God we just ask boldly that your spirit would come and rest upon those who are true worshipers in spirit and in truth God that um, that you would make us hungry for those who aren't hungry would you make us hungry for your presence for your kingdom to come Lord would you convict us for when we have built on our own Lord, and I, I just pray for every person who is listening, God, that that you would bless them, that you would come into their life and you would speak to them in the way that that they hear you best, that they need your presence. God, in your gentle and your compassionate and your loving way, would you come and would you mark each and every person? And God, would you, in the way that you do, ask them a question God, that we may respond in obedience and in sacrifice and follow after you. Lord, um, we just, we pray for the students and the, um, the staff of Asbury. And God, we thank you. We praise you for the way that you have poured out your spirit. You've poured out your presence. And Lord, we just um, ask for your blessing and for your protection. God, in that you would... Uh, raise us all up in the way that we should go. So Lord, we, we thank you. We exalt you. We, we love that you are beautiful and that you are good. God, would you keep our eyes fixed on that? Don't let us look to the left or to the right, Lord. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. that's been our podcast for today you guys thank you so much for listening remember to hit that subscribe button rate the podcast and then share it with a friend we would be so grateful we'll come back to you in the next conversation